Today's show is sponsored in part by Retronyms. Retronyms makes tools for music creators. AudioCopy is a free app for recording, editing, and sharing music. You can find loops and grooves in any style to fit your taste. Make music whenever, wherever. Tap your inspiration and remember to keep it fresh. To get audio copy for free, visit retronyms.com slash pod. That's R-E-T-R-O-N-Y-M-S dot com slash pod. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein, and I'm here today with Jules Coleman. Hi, Jules. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. Good. Uh, so maybe you can start by telling us uh, what Hassle does or is. Yeah, sure. So Hassle, it, it's a, an online marketplace for local house cleaners. Uh, we're, we're based here in, in London and we've expanded uh, in the last couple of years to uh, a few of the European countries, including Ireland, France and, and Germany. Um, so at, at its core, we connect customers and local cleaners, but obviously the, the devil's always in the detail. Sure. And and my understanding is that this is kind of like the beachhead, and then from here will come world domination, connecting <laughs> everyone to everyone else, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a huge movement in the last couple of years about bringing services online, and um, we're we're really only at the forefront of that. I think uh, the cleaning uh, certainly is sort of like the mass market service uh, that you know most people can identify with, but um, right. we're we're starting to see this kind of technology and and business platform go into like lots and lots of different industries, and we'd like to be part of that. Yeah, why not? So what is your role at the company? So I'm uh, chief product officer um, at, at the company. So I'm, I'm one of the founders. Um, and back in the good old days, there were just the three of us. So myself, Alex and Tom. Um, mm-hmm. And we did everything. Um, now, thankfully, we, we have a wider cast with us um, and, and I focus on product. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to focus on product? Yeah. Um, so I guess for our side, you know, and it's a familiar challenge, I guess, for any startup, there's always limited resources. It doesn't matter what size you are. Uh, resources are limited, whether that's, you know, uh, development resources or even just the bandwidth to think about things. And, and for me, uh, you know, being the chief product officer means how do we prioritize all of those things we want to do? put them into a sensible order and try and get like, you know, the, the most forward progress and in, in the shortest amount of time. Um, mm. So, you know, for us, we, we run a Kanban uh, process in, in the team. So it's about finding those stories, you know, working out what are the ones that are really going to make a difference, making sure that we know what the problem is that we're trying to solve um, and then making sure the solution that comes out the you know other end really does address that uh, problem. It's an interesting how important prioritization is, particularly when your resources are constrained, which is kind of always, I think. I think no one feels like they have unlimited resources, right? Exactly. Yeah. No. I, so my background before actually uh, working in startup, I, I worked for much larger companies. So as a management consultant, uh, working with Accenture and then PricewaterhouseCoopers and IBM. Um, and mm. I think in some ways that was great grounding because I saw these huge companies, you know, the clients that I was working with along with those consultancies. And even there, you have the concept of, you know, scarce resources. So of of course, when you come down to a startup of three people, that's a real thing, but it, it never goes away. Just the expectation of, of what you can get through and produce increases. Um, so that scarcity remains a challenge always. Yeah. So are you still involved with uh, like writing code or, or things like that? Or is it yes. higher level? Than that? <laughs> no, I, I still do. Um, so mm-hmm. one of the things we, we moved uh, to a Kanban process, uh, uh, actually, just over a year ago now, we, we were kind of flirting around with different ways of, of running the, the, the product process. And we've we've landed on 
our version at least of Kanban. Um, but one of the things that we you know, liked about our, our former sprint way of working was that there was a, a life cycle. You know, you, you kind of, you entered a sprint, you completed it. There was a sort of a, a ceremony, a ritual to, to the process. Um, and we didn't want to lose all of that in, in the Kanban world. Um, so one of the things that, that we have is that um, every third Monday, we have something that we call Feature Monday. We, we have we have a day where where everyone on the product team, so designers, developers, uh, work on the small little features that kind of tend to get lost in the the mm. bigger uh, product process. And we we kind of keep them all together. We give them a home, uh, and that's Feature Monday. Um, and on like a given day, we can usually ship about twenty five little like things. That's um, awesome. So I that's that tends to be the limit of my production code these days. But I do like to you know I, I like to to get involved in that. And I think it's always good to you know stay close to the code base and understand what's happening. Um, but I don't take on any uh, like huge epics at, at, at this point sure. in time. It just doesn't seem to really happen. I love that you schedule in those little features because it, it's so satisfying to ship a bunch of things all at once like that and just to like kind of uh, sand down the rough edges. Absolutely, yeah. We when we we make like a, an email we send out to the team. We've got this like little bus uh, where we like write the number of features we've done. So like there's you know the same like you know you wait for a bus and three come along at once. So we have the the same thing. You wait for a feature and then twenty five come along at once. Um, nice. And uh, you know it's it's one of those things. It, it's there's always this like inverse correlation, I guess, with the amount of time a feature takes and the happiness in the team. Like some of these things that yeah. we do that like takes five minutes of our time are the things the guys like give us like the most praise for. So, so true. And uh, I think it's one, it's nice to give them a home and then, but also, yeah, it's quite satisfying to have that day where you kind of clean house, you know, and, uh, and, and clear off the decks of those little cards. I like that a lot. I might, I might steal that. So we, Chris and I, the people, that, uh, the two developers on Upcase, we tend to like fit those things in when we're burnt out on other things. Yeah. So yeah. we'll be working on like longer projects and it's like four o'clock and we're like, all right, I, I'm sick of working on this and I just want to like get a win. And so we'll just peel something off and do that. Exactly. Like the idea of having yeah. a, a home for all those to live and a time to tackle all of them sounds really satisfying exactly like we certainly don't prohibit working on, on the smaller things in between i think it's always good to keep your sanity yeah. uh you know and, and those little downtime bits but yeah it's nice you know there and we never we at the start we were like oh, we were afraid we might run out of these ideas after we did a couple of the days that's never once happened there's like a list yeah. longer than our arm of course of you know, course um, and then, then there's we, a million of those little ones yeah we we have a a, a, a contrasting day then so the kind of the third friday um, um, of the cycle so we still kind of run on this sort of um three-week cycle which is a hangover when we used to do three-week sprints and um we have what we call kaizen friday which is sort of mm. um it's related to feature monday but it's basically a day when all of the uh the product team gets to work on whatever feature or process change that they would like that they think kind of would make their own processes faster um, or productivity mm. faster in the future so that could be anything it, it might be a feature that you'd like wanted to go back and look at or it could be like you know updating a certain gem or whatever else but it's just that mm -hmm. one day every three weeks you kind of be a little bit more introspective about you know what would make the, the process faster and we we kind of think leaving those little bits of ritual or kind of ceremony into the cycle really helps in a kind of kanban world which is sort of like never-ending throughput yeah um, so. And what I like about that, but this this idea of these like scheduled days is that it actually takes away some choice, which I think is actually really great. Like yeah. it's hard to sometimes get in and be like, what am I going to do today? And like, <laughs> it's, it's easy if you have a chief product officer who's like, this is most important, go do this. Uh, but sometimes like the day just kind of like yawns in front of you and is intimidating or it's hard to prioritize. 
And if you have this schedule, like, oh, oh, it's this that particular Friday where we're just going to grab these kind of things. It's exactly. easy for you to know what to do and you can just start immediately. Yeah, I think it's nice. And it just gives it a, a sort of it breaks up the, uh, you know, the, the, the period as well. It gives this, you know, in between that kind of feature Monday and Kaiser Friday, you know, there are 13 sort of working days of like, you know, feature build. Um, but it's it, I think it's, it's always nice to change pace a little bit um, and just, uh, you know, ha- have that sense of, of progress um, as, yeah. as we go along. And that kaizen is a Japanese term, right? Yeah, I think it comes from Japanese manufacturing. It's like constantly looking at the process, uh, you know, seeing how you could improve. So kind of looking inwardly at, at what could be done to reduce errors or friction uh, in the process. So and I think it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a nice kind of philosophy to have when kind of looking at your own processes. Mm-hmm. So you, you had a lot of growth recently in headcount. I think you went from 7 to 50 in about a year. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend that. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, well, I'm, that I'm curious what's been challenging with that. Um, I mean, I think, Everything I imagined. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, y- y- the whole um, kind of DNA of the company changes in, in that process, you know, in, in many ways for the better. Um, you know, when we were, you know, six, seven people, we were doing everything. Like myself and Tom, uh, my, my co-founder, my technical co-founder, we used to work every second Saturday. We'd alternate Saturdays and we were Oof. kind of both you know, customer service slash developer, because um, we haven't built all of the features required. So there were still things that would happen in the course of a business day that required for me to like fire up a console. Um, and right, those happened on a Saturday. So um, we, we'd have to alternate and do that. And, you know, you're also 24 seven on call, you know, uh, like DevOps <laughs> when uh, uh, things go down and, and all that stuff. But, um, you know, so adding people into the team has been brilliant. But of course, hiring is always hard. And kind of going from seven to 50 in a short period of time, you know, is is particularly challenging trying to maintain that culture you know as, as you do that and, yeah. and making sure you don't lose sight of who you are as a company um, and I, I mean I hope we've we've succeeded on many levels but it's it's been a certainly a, you know a, a very challenging period hmm. what what is core to your culture um, I, I think one of the things that we've always been uh, you know really really clear on is and in, in the best way possible we, we are not a team of rock stars by any like <laughs> stretch and and that's not to kind of talk down the skills and ability of our team because they're, they're they're fantastic guys but I think it's more about what can a team like where there isn't a lot of ego um, and there isn't you know showmanship can actually achieve mm-hmm. and I think it's always surprising what you can achieve you know with that so it's a very flat company you know myself and Tom we, we have you know founder you know in our title or whatever but that doesn't bestow upon us any you know magical powers so mm-hmm. we're just kind of members of the team as well um and you know we, we think everyone has something to contribute to that and that you actually get to some really great outcomes when you listen to what everybody has to to offer and, and work on them but it, it can be hard you know it's it's very easy to build in bureaucracy into um you know companies as they grow we, we saw it happening Absolutely. um and you've got to actively fight against that assuming that's what you want <laughs> um mm-hmm. but you know there's also a time and a place for some process i think that was the kind of balancing act that we've had to kind of balance is that um you know when there was five of us and everyone knew everything intimately it was fine that nothing was written down but when you're mm-hmm. employee number 51 and you're not really sure who does what or how does this part of the company work or what's the policy here or there actually having some things written down and and being that little bit more formal is is comforting to people so it's trying to balance the uh, the, the free uh, the free reign and uh you know but but also not being incredibly bureaucratic as you grow Hmm. Yeah. So if you had to leave the company and wanted it to continue on its path and be successful, what would you tell uh, the people that were left behind you? 
wow. for your replacement? <laughs> um, I I think you know it sounds really cliched, but um, it's certainly in my role. Like the users, whoever that might be, whatever the group is, the users tell you what the problems are. You just have to listen uh, and and, mm. and do it. We've probably made our biggest mistakes when we've not listened to you know the people that actually really do use our our product. You know, in anger um, and uh, just having that. Um, you know, again, lack of ego, I guess. You know, it's not me trying to like put through my features or whoever might come along. It's trying to make the product better so that, you know, whoever has to use this, whether that's a customer or a cleaner or one of our customer service team or whoever that is, all you're trying to do is make their day a little bit better. Um, and, you know, we have the tools and the resources at our disposal to make that happen. Um, you just need, kind of need to listen to it and, uh, and, and see what it is that uh, is needed. Is there a danger in that letting your product be guided too much by your users can that happen uh yeah for sure i mean i think you know every product manager knows the uh, the symptom of you know a single user asking for something and suddenly it being like a, a must have priority you know must skip to mm-hmm. the top of the list um of course you know there is you know in, in product management there there is you know it's kind of it's in the title there is a management there and um, there's mm. you know and partly that's common sense and partly it's intuition on on, on part of, of the product team to know really you know what what is required and what's just a you know complete edge case that's been requested yeah but and, and i think it's also important to, you know the product team to have an overall strategy or where they're trying to get to or some of their own beliefs um you yeah. know but at the same time you can be wrong sometimes in that and and you're just pushing uphill um you know one of the early very early things we did like we made a complete basic error i guess when we started at first we assumed okay we're building technology here for cleaners house cleaners and we made the erroneous assumption that they would not have access to smartphones in fairness mm. to us this was like three and a half years ago four years ago um so mm. we started building all of this product based around sms functionality mm. so they could interact with our product using sms and then they kept turning to the office with like better phones than i had and uh, you know like <laughs> and, and, and what the, one of the learnings that we had was that actually they didn't tend to have a laptop at home with a broadband connection but what they did have was a smartphone with a data plan and so we've gone down this whole strategy of trying to build technology that was brilliant at like you know parsing sms and it was just completely wrong for our user group um and you know just a little bit of research and a little bit of us being more open and and looking probably could have saved ourselves quite a few months or years of (laughs) development uh, on that process so it's easy to kind of just go down the wrong path if if you're not kind of listening or don't have your eyes open yeah that's a great example it's it's so funny how often I as a developer like my my hammer is often programming and so suddenly every task becomes a programming problem yeah and so it's like oh well I I'll just make this quick assumption that they want to do everything by sms this means I get to write a lot of fun code to part do like do natural language processing this is going to be awesome I'm I'm going to go start right now Exactly. Exactly. I think that was probably our exact thought process. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it just wasn't required. Uh, and and you know, it, we but like you just said there, you know, um, I think it's a natural sort of tendency of people that work in the product team that they think that um, problems can be solved with code, and oftentimes they can. Yep. But oftentimes no line of code needs to be written to solve the problem um, totally. and you know it's just that's that's our toolkit so that's what we go and reach for but actually a lot of the times we make our best decisions when we like look for a, a different tool um, totally i feel like one of our best tricks as consultants is to just make sure we are frequently asking do we really need to do this and if we do really need to do this do we really need to write code to do this yeah exactly exactly like just those two questions can save a lot of time and money 
absolutely. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, even when we come down to writing code, but like changing the code base, you know, we, we also look and just say like, okay, is, the, is, is it like the micro copy? Is it like, you know, the small amount of language on the page that's causing the confusion here? Do we really need a whole new feature? Or do we need to change what the submit button right. says? Like, you know, and right. it's, you know, sometimes it can be a very small change can like affect the overall change you're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it can be hard sometimes to to see that <laughs> from from the outset. In hindsight, it's always easier. Uh, right. Do you run user tests? Yes. I mean, we're not as good as we'd like to be, which is kind of the stock answer to that. <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> right. um, I, I think one of the things that we've uh, done, and and in some ways, it's actually led to some of the best parts of our product. Is that um, the probably the most sophisticated part of our product is is the admin backend piece, as, as we say, because they're the you know the power users are our customer service team, and they sit twenty mm. feet away from us. So you've got this constant user testing sort of going on. Mm-hmm. But those in, users that are more invisible to you, the cleaners and the customers because they're not like right there um i guess they always feel a little bit harder to access but when we uh do user testing you know whether that's through you know surveys or bringing people in for focus groups or or you know just feedback sessions the output is always like so useful um, and every mm. time we go god we really need to do that like sooner <laughs> and then um and you know a couple of months go by and we haven't and we feel bad and you know we we, we do it again but we're you know right now we're we've got like an open role for kind of a user researcher um, that, that we're looking for mm. it, precisely to make that a core part of our process. Cause we, we do yeah. believe in the output so much. Yeah. That's a great idea. I feel like most product companies could use someone doing that all the time, basically. Exactly. It just seems the kind of thing that like slips down the to-do list, you know, because it doesn't scream yep. at you, you know, like the the customer uh, that's out there, you know, maybe you get some feedback emails coming through, but no one's going, hey, right. you haven't run a focus group in the last like six weeks. Totally. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't yep. happen. So uh, you got to force and, and it. And it's a pain, right? I think like, it always feels a little bit um, hard, you know, because you can if you try and make it like overly complex as an exercise and then it just, it, it starts getting out of control, you know, as to, as to oh, we got to do this to make it meaningful. We'll need to like have this sample size and what if we're polluting the data mm-hmm. in this way or that way? And actually, it comes down to just go talk to some people and you'd be surprised mm-hmm. what you learn. <laughs> the simpler you keep it, actually, the more useful it tends to be. Sure, that's interesting. Well, that's good to know. You're still ju- juggling schedules, which is the worst. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, we're like the worst, uh, you know, people for like. Like I say, every time we do it, we're like, oh, we, we got to do that again really soon. We got to make yeah. this a regular thing, and then it doesn't happen. But it, which is precisely why we want to get a, you know, a person like whose sole job is to to be doing this and and constantly um, informing the product choices that we're making with the research that right. we've done and and making sure that these sessions do happen on a much more regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I had a similar experience where I've I've yet to run a user test where I didn't kind of have my mind blown. Yeah. where it's like oh my no one sees this button like we thought we made the button as big and bold as it could be and no one even knows it's there yeah well, and you know you get those things where you're like we, we we thought this was great and then but there's always the other thing where it's like having your homework checked and if you're seeing something go through, right. you're like oh yeah we're gonna fix that thing oh yeah no oh that page is not quite finished oh yeah we, we want to do this you know and it, suddenly just even seeing somebody else looking at like the the, the flows or like the the, the 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 screens like just shows up all these things that you you kind of had in the back of your mind as to do's but like maybe mm-hmm. never really articulated so even even just from that before the user says a thing you kind of your own self critique kind of starts bringing stuff out, out that's quite useful yep. to know. So um, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're super useful. So now I want to take a second to thank the sponsors of this episode, who are DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean provides simple and fast cloud hosting built for developers. And I'm on their site right now, and this is a beautiful, beautiful marketing site. 
But I guess that's partly because it's beautiful and partly because the product is actually pretty solid. There's some really cool things that you can do on DigitalOcean, like private networking. So you can have your droplets, which are there, is their uh, branded capital D word for servers. Uh, you can have droplets talk to each other in the same data center. Uh, if you're using that private network, the bandwidth between those servers uh, does not count towards your bandwidth costs, which is kind of nice. You can replicate databases and do file storage and just various droplet-to-droplet -droplet communication. Droplet-to-droplet. -droplet. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you can transfer a copy of your droplet snapshot to all regions. And they have a bunch of regions. There's Amsterdam and SF and New York and London and all that. Uh, you can move those snapshots around and then spin up the images in different data centers, which is nice if you have customers all over the globe, which you probably do because you're a badass. And all kinds of other great things like IP version 6 support, a nice API for making droplets, spin them up, spinning them down, evaporating them, boiling them, whatever you like to do to droplets. Uh, so head on over to digitalocean.com to learn more. And when you sign up, you can use code GIANTROBOTS with a giant G and R at checkout for a $10 credit towards your purchase. So thank you to DigitalOcean for supporting this show. So beyond uh, the your established things like the Kaizen Fridays, do you plan out your day or week in advance? Uh, so, so we do like daily stand-ups. So we've got a Kaizen uh, wall, or sorry, Kanban wall even, uh, up in the office, post-it notes mm -hmm. uh, special. Um, you know, so we, we put our work in progress limits uh, on ourselves on each of the, uh, you know, the, the, the comms that we have. So cards go through from discovery through to wireframe, through to bill, through to like uh, PR, then live. And then we have a post-deployment phase where we're, you know, test looking at the data that's coming back from the feature and potentially we have some like snags or little, uh, you know, improvements we want to do once they've, they've gone live um so you know every morning the team like we have a stand-up we stand around the wall we and we, we talk about the various things in progress so in that way you know we try and figure out what, what today's work is going to look like and what we're hoping to achieve but you know of course there's always some things that come down the, the pipeline that have a hard deadline on them and you know i think the process always needs to adapt to you know fit uh you know what's needed of it um i think when you get too dogmatic about something you you tend to you know not make it as effective as it could be mm. Once you you know what you're doing for the day, do you personally sit down and sketch out what it's going to look like, or do you could dive into work or something in between? Yeah, I think like my my particular role, I I tend to have like you know punctuated by meetings, um, and mm -hmm. we try and find like the effective moments in between those. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly for the rest of the team, you know, we we try our best to you know make days productive so that you know you're not constantly trying to like grab these 20 minutes of productive time and sandwich in between two meetings mm. so uh you know and, and the, again we, we try not to have too many things on like at one at one time so you know whatever the designer or developers or even the pms like uh working you know one or two kind of cards like in progress in, in a day is probably enough because you get that other kind of paralysis right you know if you've got like seven things you're meant to be working on right now and suddenly mm. an hour's gone past and you've actually not worked on anything so you know we try and keep that work in progress limit you know pretty 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 low um so that you know you can kind of focus and you don't have that constant decision point as to what should i work on next so is that a limit per person what they can yeah, have in progress typically like it's not so we're not super hard about it but you know it's rare that somebody has more than two things that they're meant to be working on right now so you know mm -hmm. if they get blocked on one they've always got the other thing to fall onto but you know we we've definitely just found that when somebody has like four or five six things that they're currently working on there's just a lot of wheel spinning uh, typically and uh, nothing Thing seems to really move like through the board so you know in, in true kanban style like every day we're just trying to get the cards from left to right um so you know yep. that, that work in progress you know limit shouldn't in and of itself be constraining um it just kind of helps to reduce that uh, decision like paralysis 
So do you have more expansion planned right now? Yeah, so well, we've actually kind of gone through an interesting phase in in our company, uh, kind of Saga. So we we have joined forces with a German, formerly were a competitor, and now there are our friends and family. Um, so we, we joined with um, a company called Helpline, uh, who are based out of Berlin. Um, so very similar concept. They'd started like last year, um, and they had expanded like really quickly internationally. In fact, they'd gone to you know Brazil and and Australia and uh, in Canada, um, along with some other European cities. Um, we ourselves had gone, you know, from London through the rest of the UK into Ireland, France, and, and just starting to Germany. And we were kind of looking at this. We were at a fork in the road where we could, you know, take on like our next round of funding and kind of juke it out with these guys city by city across Europe. Or mm. could we pull resources together and kind of, you know, look more globally? Um, and, and we chose the latter route. We kind of we like the idea of changing the narrative um, of having a European competitor kind of, you know, being the global force rather than we're, we're usually playing second fiddle. So um, it's mm-hmm. it's quite nice. So so we've kind of just gone gone through that process and you know the two teams like starting to work together although both platforms actually continue to exist separately uh, I, i'm now chief product officer across both platforms so our expansion plans kind of have changed a little bit but certainly we're looking at both you know additional countries and as we kind of talked about at the top of the uh, segment uh you know maybe different services as well hmm. there's those two routes to how we can expand our footprint it seems that that's got to be a, a serious challenge to meld two companies together. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always helped if you know your core vision is is very similar. You know, we were mm. we were amazingly, uh, <laughs> you know, you got this thing when you're like talking about competitors, and you're like, you know, you assume like all these like mm. negative attributes on them, and then you meet the guys, and you're like, oh, they're like really nice, and <laughs> in fact, they're like they're living in this like almost like parallel universe where you know they have all the same challenges and, and problems that we have, and they're looking at the market in such similar ways to us. Um, and I think when you have those similarities at, at your core, it makes the whole process so much easier. And, you know, our, our ultimate goal was, was you know, the same. So uh, that, that definitely helps. But of course, you know, there's always those differences. The two platforms, while achieving a similar end result, are incredibly different. So I've kind of, you know, got that new added complexity of, you know, trying to, to manage prioritization ac- across the two platforms and making sure that both are making strides in the right direction. Uh, and ultimately, the best practice from each, like, you know, we're kind of uh, having that collaboration across them. So uh, whatever learnings we make in, in each country is being shared. Cool. So uh, how come you don't run on the company blog? Um, I, uh, I've i got no excuse, really, apart from working <laughs> like long days on other things. Sure. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, we... Uh, we do need to uh, up up our uh, writing uh, abilities. Actually, we were just talking with the design team the other day. We were looking at and you know appraising Mailchimp's uh, blog. They had an awesome kind of creative dot Mailchimp, I think it is, like for the design team blog about um, a lot of things that they're working on, and the guys were kind of like drooling over that. So we we thought our our effort is pretty poor at the moment, and we we need to improve. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I asked because this is one of my uh, core interview tricks is to go read previous blog posts. So <laughs> yeah, I, was, I did have I one, for you. one of the biggest spikes we ever had in, in our business. So back in, um, uh, was it February of 2013? Like we were just getting started on cleaning and uh, we'd had our very first company night out. Um, and we came in on the Friday morning feeling maybe a little bit worse for wear. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, we didn't think any good code was going to be written that day. So I, I wrote a blog post, which I called 
the shit TechCrunch doesn't tell you, which was sort of um, a a blow by blow chronological account of the previous day and all the kind of crazy things that had happened. Um, you know that the the non glamorous stuff that like the buffed and sheened press releases on TechCrunch just never seemed to get to the heart of. Like we had this right. phone call from a cleaner who had got themselves lost in some customer's backyard um, and was now being chased by a dog because uh, that's huh. kind of like what my life had become. <laughs> and uh, um, and we, so we'd written this blog post and we must have hit Hacker News, I guess, at the right time because it went like up towards the top and we had like suddenly 10,000 visitors on our website, this website that had, had about like, you know, 20 concurrent visitors at any one point in time before. Um, so we, we've seen the power of kind of blog posts and, and what can happen. Um, but I think, you know, getting some consistency uh, up there and uh, some good content as well is is, is always the, the key. Hmm. Uh, so we're getting close to time. Uh, so I just have one more question. Do you have any uh, skills or goals that you're things you're trying to get better at over the next few months or years? Yeah, well, I think, you know, as a, a product team, uh, and myself as well, I think getting better at designing uh, for, for mobile experience uh, is something mm. that we're trying to do uh, more of. But we're, we're not proud um, of our mobile experience at the moment. Um, I think we, we think there's a lot of work for us to do there. Um, and I think, you know, for us, being able to conceive uh, features and experiences that work well on a small um, handset and the, you know, kind of constrictions that that, that, that brings on, on what you can do, I certainly want to focus on and i think you know just generally speaking in our product we, we want to focus on and get better makes sense awesome well uh, i appreciate you coming over virtually and being <laughs> on the podcast no awesome it's been uh, fun so if people want to check out hassle they can go to hassle.com right absolutely hassle.com yeah we're, we're we're live in the the uk and ireland excellent today's show was produced and edited by tom obarski if you'd like to access the show notes for this episode you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 161 thanks for listening Thank you.